Hi, Calling family. This is Pastor Michael, and welcome to our church podcast. I'm so grateful for you tuning in today, and I believe today's message is going to strengthen your faith in Jesus. Today, I want to talk about anger. Say anger. Say, "Uh (laughs) uh-oh. I've been saying that in the last two weeks because uh, in this text, Paul is writing a, a, a letter, which we call an epistle, all right, and he's actually in prison. He's in Rome in prison no, for no other reason than his faith, all right, and scholars believe that just a few years later, he's going to be beheaded. We know this to be true, all right, and, and which is quite ironic, uh, uh, the, the, the Vatican is built on where they beheaded Paul and they crucified Peter upside down, all right. And uh, so Paul's writing a letter, an epistle to the Colossian church, a church in which he did not plant. I'm, I'm ready. For, can I just share a little bit of my dream with you? Come on, somebody. I'm going to share it anyway, all right? Yo, it's really quiet up in here, but I'm not insecure. Uh, so I, I can't wait till we, we continue to grow enough to plant another church in the San Gabriel Valley. Come on, somebody. That's where we're headed in Jesus' name. Watch this, because why? Not because we want to just get in people's face and preach Jesus and just, you know, fire and brimstone. No, one of the reasons, this world needs a savior. This world is so broken, wounded, and messed up. I mean, just look at the, just look at the news, all right? Things are backwards today. And watch this. The only solution to all of these things is not a politician, is not a government leader, it's not a new president, although we know we, we have this side and that side. The, the solution is Jesus Christ. Somebody say amen. He is the answer, the way, the truth, and the life. How many believe that? He is the answer, Amen. He's the creator of all things, the sustainer of all things. And, and I really do believe part of our vision of our church is to continue to grow, um, but also to expand one day in Jesus' name. I'm really believing for that. And watch this. I have a story. My, my story, part of, and I'll get into this in the mess. part of my personal story is by, by the time I was in fifth grade, I had gone to five different elementary schools all over the San Gabriel Valley. There's a special uh, a bond that I have with this valley for the people of this valley. I really do believe that Christ has a heart for these people here and, and wants to love them and show them a new way of life. Amen. Somebody out there? So let's continue to pray for our impact in Jesus' name. All right, so let's get back to the text. So Paul's writing a letter to the Colossian church. In fact, uh, Paul pens a number of letters, Philemon, Colossians, uh, Philippians. are called the prison letters or the prison epistles. And Paul is trying to share with them that, to, to, that you've been raised with Christ. That if you've been baptized, you, when we put you down in the water, it's a symbol of being buried with Christ, all right? And when you're raised up out of the waters of baptism, it's a symbol of you've been raised to new life. Do you need to be saved? To, do you need to be baptized to be saved? No. But if you are saved, you need to be baptized. Now, hear me correct. Did you? All right. If you are saved, uh, you don't need to be baptized to be saved. But if you are saved, you need to be baptized. Did you guys follow me there? All right. And, and, and I know it's a little early. Somebody just, woof, right over your heads. That's fine. All right. 
as if you have not been baptized, we would be honored to baptize you. Jesus was 30 years old when he was baptized, all right? We want you to make that decision for yourself. So uh, Paul's writing this letter and he's teaching them that you've been raised to new life. And if you've been raised to new life, he, I love this illustration. Last week I, I brought some clothes. Is he says, take off the old clothes. How many got some old clothes up in your closet? How many got some old clothes up in your drawer? How many, how you wear, you, how you got old clothes that you don't fit into? You keep looking at that t-shirt, I'm going to lose weight. I'm going to lose weight. I'm going to get back into that t-shirt. And the t-shirt's just sitting there. <laughs> All right? you, you, you have holes in it, maybe old clothes that we don't wear no more. Paul's like, what's the point? Take it out of the closet and throw it away or donate it. All right? He says, put on your new clothes as a sign, as a symbol. What does he mean? Put on who you are in Christ. And who we are in Christ is we're, we ought to be compassionate, kind, loving, all right, gentle, all right. He says, put all this old behavior away. Put all this rage, malice, anger, sexual morality, all of this. This is your former life before Christ. But now that you have Christ and now that you're in Christ, now that you've died to your old ways, now become who you are, really are in Jesus. Somebody out there today. It's time to mature in the faith. It's time to grow in our faith and become much like our Savior. And by the way, Christ follower, Christian means a Christ follower. And if we are a Christian, it means that we are to imitate or be like Remember, like, be like Mike in the 90s? Come on. You remember? Everyone wanted to be like Michael Jordan. Michael Jordan, man, is way better than Kobe Bryant, LeBron James. But I don't care. I'm a 90s boy, man. It's all about Jordan. You know what I'm saying? Don't get any Jordan fans here, all right? Yeah, a little bit of you. Okay, that's fine. I know it's early. I, 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 help them, Jesus. Help them, Lord. All right. Uh, um, uh, if we're Christians, we got to imitate Jesus. We got to be like our Savior. I know that for some of us, we feel so far away from what He's like gentle, kind, loving, compassionate. For we feel so far away. But it's okay. Do you know that Jesus will meet you where you're at and build your life? One of my favorite scriptures, one of my life verses, this impacts me so much. It says this a bruised reed he did not break. It's talking about Jesus. A smoldering wick. He did not snuff out. What does that mean? Do you ever see reeds and they're broken? It's like it's dead and it's gone. You know, in fact, I have a snake plant. One of the, one of the things is like that and it's like it's going away. Or you ever see a, a candle, a wick, and it's smoldering and it's ready to be snuffed out? You know what Jesus says? He says he doesn't, a bruised reed, he does not break. A smoldering wick, he does not break. He takes you where you are at. And he loves on you. And he has grace for you. And he has compassion for you. He's like that coach. When, you, when you're at the batter's box, man, this has been me. I played baseball for 15. You're at the batter's box. You're, you're just striking out all the time. And you want to throw your bat, man. Isn't it? Ended, you want to blame the umpire because it's his fault. And Jesus is that coach that says, you can do it. You got this. Keep on moving forward. It's okay. We all make mistakes. I've died for you. That's the point. Hello, I've died for you so you can grow up in the faith. Somebody say amen. All right. You out there today? All right, good. So a new way of living. We're talking about anger today. Say anger. Anger. So we're going to take off hatred. We're going to take off bitterness. We're going to take off resentment. And we're going to put on love. We're going to take off anger. All right. There's an old joke that a husband uh, uh, said to his wife, when I get mad at you, you never fight back. Wow. How do you control your anger, he said to his wife. She says, I clean the toilet bowl. 
And the husband says, why do you do that? How does that help your anger? I use your toothbrush. <laughs> I'm not giving you wives ammunition to. <laughs> All right. Another one said, uh, this woman went to a doctor and she, she went for another reason. And she said, she said you know, my, wife, my husband and I, we just keep arguing. And she goes, you know what, I have a solution for you. Every time you argue with your husband, go put some water in your mouth. Just rinse your mouth. Every time you fight, fight. And she said, oh, that sounds weird, but I'll do it. And so they, they went at it. Boom, one day. Started fighting and angry. And, and she, 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 oh, yeah, the doctor said she went and put water in her mouth, started rinsing it. She went back to the doctor. She said, I, don't, well, why, I don't, still don't know why I do that. And she said, well, is, is your arguments getting worse and, and is it getting better? She goes, actually, I'm not talking back. Or I'm not talking back. I'm not yelling at him and screaming at him. And, and she was well, working then, all right. That actually might be. A good thing to do, actually, is to put some water in your and just, you know, how many of you know that we will all, so I'll explain this in the text, but you will inevitably feel anger in your life. You will feel anger in your, it's what you do with anger that becomes a sin. Everybody has been angry. Everybody will be angry. Jesus himself has been angry, but it's what you do with anger that becomes Sin And today's message, I want to help you to know what to do with your anger and how to manage your anger. Because watch this, anger can really destroy your life. Anger can destroy your family. It can destroy your reputation. It can destroy your career. It can destroy your family. It can destroy your calling. It can derail your calling. Anger, if not handled correctly, can utterly destroy. What makes people angry? What makes people angry? Number one, politics. Number two, our coworkers. How many of you, I can't tell you how many times in this church I've heard Pastor Michael, I love Jesus, but on Monday morning, when I go back to my cubicle, I cannot stand that coworker. And I pray for them. <laughs> All right. Coworkers make us angry. You know, one thing that ticks me off, I just have to say this, I just do. Some people talk on the phone so loud. As if they're the only one in the room. I saw you do that. Yes, no, I'm just kidding. (laughs) The other day I was in a coffee shop. I was like preparing my message. And one guy, guy, like like the whole coffee shop was his own. He just started talking out loud about business. And I'm like, I'm not going to say nothing. I'm just keep my head down. Where's my earphones? Plug them in. That's just a pet. How many of you have some pet peeves that just get under your last nerve? All right. For some of you, it's tapping all the time. All right. Anyway, all right. Let's keep on going. What makes us angry? Family? Family can make us angry, the weird uncle, right? All right. Uh, uh, How about this? What makes us angry? Marriage. Marriage can can make us angry. In fact, the other day I'm going to share with you because I'm not perfect and I'm working. I'm putting on my new clothes of kindness. You know what I'm saying? And the other day, actually for like 72 hours, my daughter kept saying, Daddy, I want donuts. Daddy, I want donuts. Daddy, I want donuts. So on Friday morning, we went on a donut date. Just before that donut date, me and my wife got into a, let's just call it a uh, confrontation, all right? We, we, had a, we had some words. We had some, and, uh, you know, I went to the donut shop, and I, I just wanted, you know, hope, buy Hope Donuts, buy myself donuts. But in the back of my mind, I don't know if it was God, I don't know if it's buy the woman a donut. Because if you show up back at your house without a donut, without a blueberry crumble donut for your wife, she is not going to be happy. 
So I am learning this waltz of a dance, of a marriage, and I'm realizing now that I, I just bought her the donut. I didn't want to deal with it when I got home, all right? I didn't want the anger to be, you know, get worse, you know what I'm saying? So I bought, and I said, I really didn't want to buy this for you, but I'm a smart man. Here you go, all right? All right, I'm learning, I'm learning. Help me pray for me, all right? But marriage, we don't get along. We can't communicate. After 10 years of marriage with my own wife, and I'm a prof I am a professional communicator. That's what I do for a living. I cannot, some I cannot, sometimes I, can't, I don't understand. I, I say some, what I want and don't come, it don't come across clearly sometimes, all right? We're still working on our communication, all right? How about this? We were treated unfairly by someone or disrespected, all right? That makes us angry. We are angry because of the past. We have traumatic experiences of the past, and we are angry because of it. We get angry because we're disappointed. Oh, man, I've dealt with this one a lot. We get angry because what we've hoped for, what we planned for, what we even prayed for didn't come to pass. But uh, uh, we get angry because of it because we're disappointed. We're stressed and we're fearful. We get angry because things don't go as planned or what we hoped for. We get angry because we are simply, watch this, we're simply carrying something from the past that we have not let go of. We are, let me say that again. We're angry because we simply carried something from the past to the present that we have not let go of yet. And today I want to proclaim to you in the name of Jesus, let it go. Come on, somebody, all right? One thing as I've studied is that anger, this is uh, not in my Bible, just over my studies, um, is that anger is a secondhand emotion. This revolutionized me, this revolutionized my mind one day. Years ago, I remember preaching about anger and studying anger. And, I, and, after, and just let me just show, I'll share a little bit about myself too. I'm a pastor that likes to let people in because I'm human. And without Jesus, I can't make it in this life. Honestly, I almost already have destroyed my life in my past uh, without Jesus. But growing up, I've had a really bitter and, and bitter, difficult, challenging, I mean, awful upbringing. I mean, I had a very ugly upbringing in, in, my, in my life. And um, when I got, I didn't realize how angry of a person that I was until sadly I got married. And uh, Corrine was so shocked at who is this guy? I didn't date that guy. Who, where did that guy come from? And, we, you know, when you get married, what, you, things just get magnified more, intensified. And when you have children, things get magnified more. And I didn't realize there was a, you know what anger is? It's undealt with bitterness. It's undealt with resentment. It means that there can be seeds of resentment inside of your heart and there can be roots and there can be a whole system of pain and woundedness that you have not dealt with. And all it takes is for someone to trigger you and just boom, like an atom bomb. How many know what I'm talking about, right? God does not want you to live your life like boom. God wants you to live your life gentle, peaceful. God wants you to be able to have self-control. Say self-control. You know, this world is quite the opposite of Jesus, quite the opposite of the Bible. This world will tell you to act every emotion out. If you feel it, do it. If you want to be this, change the way you are, right? But the Bible says otherwise. The Bible says self 
control. It's just much, think about a car with a steering wheel. If a, you cannot drive a car without a steering wheel because if you just step on the gas, you're going to hit somebody, you're going to hit something, and you're going to destroy things. All right, but we need self-control because we need to contain ourselves and not everything we feel we should express. Right, like the old, like the old adage that said, if you don't, uh, if you don't have nothing nice to say, don't say it. And how many realize? And I've struggled with this, and this is what got me in big trouble in my life. If you don't deal with anger, God wants you to deal with anger before it gets right here. Because if it gets right here, oh my Lord Jesus. You are going to say some things you really don't mean. You're going, to, uh, uh, you're going to say things to hurt people, put their name in the dust, drag their name in the mud. And then how many times I've gone through this over and over again in my personal life. Oh, man, I just scratched my head after 30 minutes or an hour. Or two. I'm, what did I say? Why, why did I say that? So God wants you to be able to manage anger before it gets to your mouth. Because if it gets to your mouth, sticks and stones, um, uh, what is it? sticks and stones, uh, I'm totally butchering it. Sticks and stones may not. Not hurt my bones. I'm. I. I it's early. Hey, stay like saving time. Don't judge me. But words will not. Thank you, kids. Thank you, kids. They do hurt. All right. That's what I was trying to say, kids. Is words hurts. And watch this. People may forgive you for what you said, but they may not forget it. All right. So we want to deal with anger before it gets to our mouth, all right? So the Bible has a lot to say. So watch this. Anger is a second-hand emotion. Say second-hand emotion. Say second-hand emotion. This revolutionized my life. This revolutionized my life. What do I mean by this? You realize that when you're angry, it's always attached to something else, all right? You're angry because you're really feeling something different. You're angry because you're hurt. Someone hurt you. Someone said something to you. You're hurt because really you're sad. I've had a spiritual director for many years in my life because honestly, and I'm not ashamed to share it, because as I minister and I give out a lot, I need ministering myself. And one of my spiritual advisors tells me, Michael, uh, he says, Michael, you're not angry. You're just sad. You're just sad. And I grew up in a household. We, we didn't do sad. We grew up angry. And in my household where I come from, we said things to each other. I mean, like we're talking, I'm talking about family, man. I'm talking about like, like your elders. I mean, they would say things to me. I'd say things to them. My dad would throw in. I mean, it's just like, it's just a war zone. And, I, and then we'd act like no one got hurt. But deep down inside, we were all really hurt, all right? So what you're feeling when you're angry is sadness. And watch this. You know how you help, one thing to help you with anger is instead of exploding and instead of just reacting, and I'll get to that later, but it's something, it's, you got to ask yourself, what am I really feeling? What is, I want to help you. What am I, next time you're angry, what am I really feeling? Well, that person said something and it made me mad. Oh, so you're feeling hurt? Well, I'm disappointed because that didn't go the way I hoped. So you're really sad. So watch this. How about we process pain and process sadness and process hurt? But you know what psychologists say? They call anger a, not only a second-hand emotion, they call it a substitution emotion. Because watch this. It's easier just to get mad and angry than it is to actually deal with the pain. Because Pastor Michael, you're saying that I have to process, so that means I have to deal with the pain. Well, I'd rather just get mad so I don't have to deal with the pain. Come on, somebody. Who am I talking to today? 
I think Pastor Michael's done that a lot in my life. I never learned how to manage sadness or deal with sadness. We just got mad in my family because we never processed the pain. And how many of you know that if you're a Christian, this is a beautiful blessing. Watch this. Romans 8, 28 says this. Uh, it says this. Uh, and we know that God works everything out for the good of those who love him, to the good of those who are called. So that me and you are not like the rest of the world, that when we get hurt, God can use our pain for a purpose. I am not standing up here this morning without bruising and pain in my, in my, in my past. God is using those pains right now, this very moment, with a purpose. Isn't that good news today? You, your, your pain can have a purpose. As opposed to people in the world, they think their pain is pointless and it's hopeless and that leads to depression. All right, so I want to teach us this morning and give you some tools. Charles Spurgeon once said this, and I love who Charles Spurgeon is, a wonderful historical preacher in England. And it says this, he said this one day, do not say I cannot help having a bad temper. Friend, you must help it. Pray to God to help you overcome it at once. For either you must kill it or it will kill you. You cannot carry a bad temper into heaven. And by the way, not only uh, I wanted to share the, med the, the psychological part, but the medical part is important too. You know that angry people won't live long? Angry people won't live long. All right? Because m most medical doctors believe that if you're angry and raging at mouth, you're actually prone to have a heart attack. Your arteries are going to uh, uh, clog up. Your blood pressure is going to rise up, but it's time to take off the old clothes, amen, and time to put on Christ who saved us. The Bible says this in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 26 to 28. It says this in the NIV, in your anger, do not sin, all right? Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry, and do not give the devil a foothold. Let me say that one more time. In your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry, and do not give the devil a foothold. One day a lady came to a preacher, is actually his name was Billy Sunday, a form of a great revival preacher. Um, I believe he used to preach at Yankee Stadium a, a long time ago. A lady came up to a preacher uh, named Billy Sunday and tried to rationalize her anger and angry outbursts. Uh, she would say, there's nothing wrong with losing my temper, she said. I just blow up sometimes, and then it's all over the place. And Billy Sunday said, so does a shotgun, the preacher replied, and look at all the damage it leaves behind. Anything begun in anger always ends in shame. 90, watch this, 90% of friction in daily life is caused by the wrong tone of voice. Isn't that true? 90% of friction in daily life. We ought to change our tone. Come on, somebody, Amen. So I want to teach you how to get rid of anger. So one of the things uh, uh, that helps me with anger, all right, and this is something, I, uh, like I've said before, it's been a struggle for me, be honest with you, because of undealt with resentment and, and bitterness in my life. So when I got married with Kareem, she saw an angry Tasmanian devil. And she was like, man, I don't know who this guy is, Lord. He's, this guy, something, something else popped out of him. But I realized that there were things in my life that I didn't resolve or I didn't deal with. And there were other things even in the ministry at the time that was really difficult. And let me just, I'll just share this. I remember in ministry, a person I really loved compared me. I remember when we were starting the calling church, this was all during the same time. I remember someone I loved dearly and I respected dearly. One day put me down so bad. 
He said, he said, Michael, I don't think you start that church. You're not like this person. I, can, I know what this person does, but I don't, I don't believe that you can do this. And let me tell you, that was the wrong way to deal with me. And that hurt me so bad. And it, it got me embittered. It got me so angry. I, what I was doing is I was taking that home. And by the way, that's a lesson for all of us. Don't take your anger from work home and spew it out on your kids and on your wife or on your husband. We must learn to deal with it in the name of Jesus. Because watch this, those children are a blessing. That spouse is a blessing. And we ought to protect them and love them, not shout at them and put them down and tear them up. We are to protect them in the name of Jesus Christ. Come on, you out there. We need, a, we need to deal with it. Say deal with it. All right. We need to deal with anger. So what I do, what I've learned, uh, or in fact, let me go back to my story. I had to learn to deal with it, and I never did. I never learned how to deal with because I'd always see my dad just, you know, I'd always see, I love my mom. My mom is a new person in Jesus' name. But I used to see them fight. Oh, my Lord. It was like World War III, okay? It was scratch, it was yelling, scratch, everything, all right? And so I never learned how to deal with it. And if I wanted to stay, I'll never forget this. One of the, day, one of the things my dad told me before he passed away touches my heart. He said, Michael, and I know my dad did a lot of bad things, and he's a great person. I love him so much. and He's a great man. He's in heaven. And I remember he told me this. Michael, that's a good woman. He said, you ought to protect her and love her and treat her well. That never left me. That never left me even to this day. But here I was destroying the very blessings that God had given me. So I needed to learn to deal with it. And part of the way I've learned to deal with anger is watch this. Go to God first. Go to God first with your anger. Don't use that moment where you're in such pain and such, you know, you know, anger grows. It grows. It starts small. It just grows and grows and grows. Don't go to that person first. Don't go to the coworker first. Don't go to the wife first. Don't go to the husband first. Go to God first with your anger. Talk to God about your anger. Don't get in a yelling match. Don't get in a screaming match. Go to God. And watch this. God wants to help you with your anger. God wants to resolve the situation. God wants to resolve the offense of why you got angry. Chances are most of the time, in fact, this has happened all the time. If I go to God first with my anger, chances are, are, the situation will be resolved. But if I go first to the individual, I just messed up everything. How many know what I'm talking I opened up my mouth. I said this. I tore them down. I called them a name. And I grew up in the hood, baby. I could use, I can use my mouth to preach. I could use my mouth to tell you up. Come on, somebody. It's a gift and a curse, all right? Uh, uh, I, anyway, I'll leave that right there, all right? But those are my old ways. And I can't let, I can't, I can't go back to those ways. So go to God first. Say, go to God first. Go to God first. Pray about it. Talk to God about it. Do you know even Jesus himself was angry? Jesus flipped over tables and made a whip. I don't know if he whipped anybody though, all right? Uh, 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 he, he's, he got angry, but his anger was a righteous anger. So God gives us anger for the good, not for the bad. Let me say that again. God gives us anger to, for the good, not the bad. When we see bad in the world and evil in the world and unrighteousness in the world, it should make us angry to do good and do something about it, not to do bad. Anyone hearing me today? It means you, you, you have that emotion, all right, but to do good, to do think positive things with it. The second thing is this. God didn't call you. How do I deal with my anger? God didn't call you to, uh, to have reaction. Now listen. 
God didn't call you to have reaction ability. He called you to have response ability. Now, you hear me, right? God didn't call you to be reactionable. He called you to be res- response-able, all right? Oftentimes, we are reacting from triggers, all right, and we're, we're, because of a lack of control. How many of you know you won the argument and you're, when you're fighting with your wife, when you don't open your mouth, you just walk away for a moment, all right? Most of the time when we're angry, we want to get even. How many? That's my nature. That's the nature. That's the flesh nature right there. Oh, this person said this to me. I'm going to get them back. They deserve it. I'm going to say that to them. I'm going to embarrass them the way they embarrass me. All right. But then you're, reaction, you're reacting. You're wearing your old clothes. You're not responding like Christ. And thank, thank God that Jesus continued with his mission and didn't act out of his anger because this whole salvation thing would be messed up and utterly destroyed. We need to be like Caesar Milan. Anybody here to Caesar Milan? How many like the dog whisperer? Come on, somebody. He teaches me. Come on, somebody, all right? Cool, calm, and collected. That's how we need to be, all right? He just goes, shh, and the dog's like, whoop. That, all right, I'm talking about? That's what my wife, <laughs> I'm going to leave that right there. I, I, don't do that on your wife. It will not work. She will get mad at you, all right? I'll walk away, go, shh, and she just, oh, boy. Let me, can I just share a little more with you? I, uh, you know, Karina and I both have a spiritual director, so to speak, in our life. And he tells us both, you're not angry, you're just, you're just hurt. You're really hurt. That's what you're really feeling. Oh, man. So when we're arguing sometimes, all right, she'll say this to me, and I'm already angry because we're arguing and she's angry. She'll say, Michael, I know you're hurt. I know you're really hurt. And oh my, don't say that either in an argument. Man, that makes things worse. Man, you want to explode. I'm not hurt. You're hurt. So she says that to me. I'm like, you're hurt, woman. And she says, no, you're hurt. And we're just saying you're hurt to each other. All right. It's a funny argument. All right. But that's what it really is. You're hurt. All right. So go take time to process the pain. All right. And honestly, think about this. When someone at your job, someone in your family, when they're responding, or not responding, they're reacting the way they do, real, can, you, can we understand that they're just hurt? Don't say they're hurt, all right? <laughs> just understand they're hurt, and no, that's how you deal with that, all right? Don't, don't get up in their face, hey, they're hurt. Learn how to pray for them and give them grace because God loves them too. I once read about Abraham Lincoln. Can you believe this? Abraham Lincoln used to actually write two letters. One, the first letter he would write to people that offended him or he was angry with, he would actually write the full letter out and he would tell them what he thought about them. He would be explicit, you're this, you're that, this is what I think about you. He was, you know, maybe a little profane. And then he'd get that letter and he'd tear it up and he'd write another letter, letter, and, it was, uh, letter and it was much more graceful and tactful, all right, and responsible. How about this? The Bible says this, don't let the sun go down while you're still angry. Don't let the sun go down while you're still angry. Here's a tip for you. Don't avoid your anger. Address it. Don't avoid it. Address it. Some of us are really great avoiders. 
Some of us don't want to deal with it. We'll just let it go. But if you let it go, you're going to be like me. You're going to have, you know, you're going to have a festering wound. How many times have you gone to the doctor and just imagine you feel some pain in your body. You go to urgent care. You go to the emergency room and you see the doctor and you feel some kind of way. And the doctor says, you know what, um, I don't see nothing. Just, you're, you're, you, know, uh, you know, just go on your way. You know, there's nothing wrong with you. No, but you're like, doctor, there's something wrong with me. I feel it, all right. Uh, you can't avoid it. You have to deal with your anger because if it is uh, not dealt with, it will destroy your life. It will destroy you. It will destroy your family, all right? So it says, don't let the sun go down while you're still angry, all right? In other words, if the sun goes down and you're still angry, something else is going to come up. Bitterness, resentment, and that thing will start with seeds, that thing will be rooted, that those roots will go down, and then you're just going to be a, de- a depressed, angry person all the time that no one, honestly, no one likes to hang out with angry people. I know that for sure. My wife, she reminded me a lot of that, all right? No one likes to be around angry people, so we must deal with it, all right? And how about this? The Bible says this, do not give the devil a foothold, Do not give the devil a foothold. In the Greek, foothold means a place or a position. Or the Google, according to Google, it says this, a place where a person's foot can be lodged to support them securely, especially while climbing. Let me say that again. All right, don't give the devil a a foothold. A place where a person's foot can be lodged to support them securely, especially while climbing. You know what I think of? It just made me think of this yesterday when I was thinking about this text is that I think of a mountain climber. You guys ever climb mount, uh, mountain climb before? Or, you know, they have the fake little rock thing that you can climb. And when you're, you're, you're trying to rock climb, what are you trying to do? You're always trying to get that foot on something. You're always trying to get that foot because what, you can get a little toe on that rock. That's enough to get up. You know what I'm talking about? Even if you can get a pinky toe, you just, you get that thing on. You, you can lift yourself up. You got, you got a position, right? Let me tell you, the devil is just all over the place with your anger. Let me do that again. This is the devil. He trying to, he, you're trying to close that door on him. He's, because watch this. When he gets that foot in that door, you're giving him a place and a position with the anger that we act upon in our life. Because when we say something to somebody else, they're going to get offended. They may get hurt. They may physically do something. They may uh, behind our backs do something. The devil loves to work and get a foothold in our anger. All right. So it's best to just walk away. I heard, I heard this quote, you know, when you're angry, just count to ten. How many heard that? Just count to ten. And then when you get about eight, just throw a punch because they didn't expect that. No, I'm just kidding. That's what you don't, that's what you don't do. Bad pastor. Don't do that, all right? Don't do that. That really psych someone out, actually. That's bad. Don't do that, all right? In fact, you know what? This is, this is, this is a true comment right here. For people, I, I, they, some people have come to me and say, Pastor, I really want to punch a guy. I want to hit people. I want to hurt somebody, for real. Like this person is like makes me that mad. So what are, you tell me not to be angry, okay. When deal with my sadness, okay. But it comes up again, and I'm processing it. You know, I share. Just put your hands in your pocket. Put your hands in your pocket when you're angry, and don't let them out. <laughs> I'm talking. I'm for reals. Put your hands in your pocket. Even if you have to move around, just walk away like this. Because if you're God, God does not want you to get physical. You're gonna you would do damage that. Sometimes is irreparable, so to speak. 
So do not give the devil a foothold in your anger. Now here's a few things I really want to talk about as we talk about anger as we close. As Christians, one thing we're going to have to learn and get good at is forgiveness. We're going to have to get good at it. And we're going to have to grow at it. All right. I heard a story about... uh, uh, I heard a story about a father who kept telling his daughter she was dating a man that he didn't like. And he kept telling his daughter, don't marry that man. Don't marry him. She said, I'm in love with him. And I think he's a great man. And the dad said, honey, I love you. You're my little girl. Please, I just don't, something's not right. And so what she did is she went up and ended up marrying him. And, you know, they were in love. But they they got married. And all of a sudden they kept getting uh, they kept getting in arguments and altercations. And soon enough, the, I think someone's taking pictures of me. Is that my mom? That's all right. That's so good. I'm not going to get angry right now. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm teasing my mom. My mom is amazing. Um, uh, so so, so they, they get married and they get into an argument. Or they get into a lot of confrontations and altercations. And what happens is not, the guy starts off by saying words to her, putting her down, being angry at her, yelling at her, tearing her up. And, you know, she, she, she's feeling, feeling a certain type of way. And then all of a sudden he starts getting violent. He starts punching her. He starts domestically abusing her. And they got so violent that one day uh, the husband pulled a gun on her. That's just rage, absolute rage, anger, right? And he, he went to shoot, try to shoot her, kill her. And somehow by the grace of God, uh, this is a true story, uh, the man tried to fire and shoot her. But it misfired. It did, he, she didn't get wounded. She got out. She, yeah, it was an opportunity to get away and run away and never be with that person again. And she, she filed charges against him and all the bit. Um, uh, uh, what do you call it? When, um, uh, they couldn't see. Be around, he couldn't be around her. Uh, he filed one of those charges. I'm totally blanking out right now with that. Restraining order. Yes, that's early. Help me, Jesus. All right. And, and um, she went to go tell her dad. The dad had no idea about any of this happening. And she said, dad, crying, sad. She said, you're right. The guy was a monster. And I'm so sorry. And the man was older. But the man became so angry. Angry with her former husband. He wanted to kill him. He got so angry that he got sick in his body. Pain. His body swelled up. I heard that his body swelled up so much that the, when he went to bed, the, the covers couldn't be over him because he would just, he would just, it would just be swollen. He was so swollen that his ring was just is being, uh, his, was cutting off his circulation. He was angry. And someone, one of his coworkers one day said this, you know, I, do, I, I think I have something that can help you. The coworker said, you know, I want to pray for you. And I honestly want to introduce you to a person named Jesus. Because I can see that you're angry, and the anger has led to sickness, and the, he, the man got saved. He gave his life to Jesus, but he's still sick in his body. He was still um, swollen all the time. The man started going, the father started going to Bible studies, and they kept, they kept praying healing over him so that he would be healed in his body. And um, he kept growing in Christ. And one day, the Bible studies teacher said, you know what? Is there anyone that needs to forgive anybody in, in this Bible study? Or is there anyone that needs to work on forgiveness? Anyone need to forgive somebody? 
and the, the gentleman, the father said, I, I need to forgive somebody. He said, I'm mad. That's my little girl. I have a little girl, sorry. She never get married though. <laughs> I have a little girl, it gets me. And she said, that's my little girl. I, I even asked my father-in-law, one of the greatest men I know, how did you give that precious woman to me? I'm not giving my daughter away, no. <laughs> man. And so uh, he said, I do. I need to forgive my, my former um, ex-son-in-law. He hurt my daughter. That's my little girl. And uh, I'm sure I wanted to kill him, honestly. And then they worked on forgiveness, and he let it go. He forgave him. What he did, what he did next, he forgave him at the Bible study. But what he did next is he actually went to the ex-son-in-law's house. He knocked on the door, and the gentleman opened the door, and he was surprised to see his ex-father-in-law. And uh, the father-in-law said, he got his new clothes on, his new Jesus clothes on. He said, uh, I want to let you know that you hurt me and you hurt my daughter. And it was painful. But I want to let you know I forgive you. I became a Christian and I learned that Jesus forgave me and I'm going to forgive you. And the ex-son-in-law uh, says, you know what's funny? I became a Christian too and I'm working on myself as well. Isn't that so good? Doesn't Jesus change things? Come on, someone. Doesn't Jesus change things? He changes things. He changes things. And he went back to the Bible study the next week and he told him, I, for, I, I forgave him and I saw him. He said, you know what, he prayed, they prayed over him again for healing. This time when they prayed for healing, his body, his, his, he got so healed in his body that when he was swollen, he, he, he became so unswollen that his, his ring just dropped off his finger because his body was now intact. Not only does God want to heal your body, but most importantly, God wants to forgive you of our sins. Somebody say amen. Two things before I close. In the Greek, forgiveness means to cancel a debt. It, it's charizomai, all right, to cancel a debt. And it means to give generously. I don't know about you, but I have student loan debt. Oh, help me, Jesus. And I've been paying it off. And we paid some of the debts off. But do you know debt is burdensome? Debt is, is weighs you down. It's heavy, all right. Debt can even depress us, all right. But when Karina and I, we've paid off a debt, all right. Uh, and when we've paid off a debt, it is so freeing. It is so uplifting. You know that your unforgiveness can make you physically unwell and emotionally unwell. It can depress you, cause you anxiety, cause you anger, cause you malice, cause you hatred. You won't sleep at night. Uh, your, your, your blood pressure will be on the rise all the time. But how about this? Choose the way of Jesus and cancel the debt of unforgiveness that you would be healed and whole in the name of Jesus. Your, bo your body, your mind, and your soul. I promise you when you let go and you forgive, there's going to be a weight of oppression that is going to be released in the name of Jesus Christ. It is true. Another way of uh, 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 forgiveness means giving generously. Say giving generously. Forgiveness in the Greek means giving generously. You know, this is what it means to also forgive somebody. You're generously giving them grace. You're giving them mercy. You say, man, that, that, that person doesn't deserve no grace. That person deserve, doesn't deserve anything from me. But watch this. You, you know how hypocritical that is? Because you and I, do you know how many times 
Jesus continually, gracefully loves us and forgives us day by day, hour by hour, minute by minute. God is a constant forgiver because he loves us. Therefore, we should always forgive as well and not let the sun go down and be angry. We should also cancel debts. We should also give generously. We should also forgive. Somebody say amen. You out there with me. Here, I'm talking to maybe one person. I just feel it right now. I feel God telling me one or two people, you are carrying bitterness in your heart. You're carrying resentment. You're carrying unforgiveness. It's a burden, burden for you. You can't sleep. It's depressed you. It may tore up your family. It may have tore up your marriage. But God is saying today is the day of salvation. Let it go. Forgive. Stop carrying the weight. I've carried the weight for you on the cross. I promise you what I have for you is better than what was behind you. You want to get even. You want that person to be punished. But watch this. Go to God. Give it to God. I've had a person in here, uh, um, uh, not here right now, but in the church. Their daughter was molested. And she was angry. Angry, 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 angry. Why did this happen? Why would God let me down? I want to hurt that person. This person deserves punishment. Yes, yes, yes. But watch this. Living with that, carrying that daily is not meant for you. You won't survive with it. It will surely kill you. All right. So it's time to forgive. And we worked on forgiveness and she forgave and she's been on her way. Someone you're carrying that today and it's time to let it go. Can I have every head bowed and every eye closed as we pray? Thank you so much for tuning in to today's message. Our mission as a church is choosing Jesus, chasing freedom, discovering our gifts and serving Jesus. I have a question for you. What is your next step with Christ? Take your next step today by visiting thecallingla.com. If today's message touched you, we'd love to partner with you in sharing the hope and the message of Christ. So visit thecallingla.com slash give.